and welcome to In the Rising podcast. My name is Bettina Brown, and this is the platform I've chosen to talk about living a life that's in alignment with our hopes, our dreams, and our goals. And my guest today is Armando Lucas Correa, who is a Cuban writer, journalist, and editor who now lives in New York. And what's really special about the story he shares today is about one of his books uh, called In Search of Emma. And he's already an international best-selling author who's written books like The German Girl and The Daughter's Tale. Maybe those are familiar to you. But in The Search for Emma, he talks about something very personal, and that's about the push, joy, and love and dedication in wanting to become a father. Thank you so much, Armando, for your time today. It's really an honor to speak with you. And you you have really you embody the idea of the American dream of being, you know, People Magazine and Espanol um, Editor-in-Chief. You've written The German Girl, The Daughter's Tale, and you started off in Cuba. You've done all these wonderful things. You are the American dream, but you also figured out something was missing from your life. Would you like to share on that, please? Yeah, you know, I'm so happy to present my book in search of Emma today with you. But, uh, you know, the biggest accomplishment, uh, more than anything I have ever done in my work life, you know, people in Espanol, including my writing, I'm publishing my books, is having my children. And uh, and for me, uh, that's the reason in search of Emma, it's is my most personal book, one I never thought I'd write. Yeah. I, I, I always said that. <clears throat> Because I remember that uh, in 2007, an editor at HarperCollins came to my office of people in Espanol, and I thought he was interested in publishing a book about legendary Hispanic celebrity. But he actually wanted to talk me into writing a book about how I had my daughter via surrogacy. And I was shocked. I usually don't speak or write about my personal life, and it took him a while to convince me but I agreed to do it. And when I went over notes, I have been keeping throughout the process. I, 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 I discovered I had extensive records of conversation I had with my family over the years. Because think about it. I, I started the process in, in 1999 and I had my daughter in 2005. Wow. It's a very long process indeed. And so this whole tell me a little bit about your emotions going through this process of knowing this was this was the child you wanted how how were you feeling yeah it was like an emotional roller coaster and and if i think about those years now uh i i, I was always afraid and, and you know i was afraid of the the uncertainty the unknown Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, during the 90s, we don't have the kind of world search that we have right now. And and I, I remember dealing with the small agencies in San Diego that they even, you know, they didn't have a website. And talking to lawyers over the phone and sending thousands of dollars uh, in check was... Uh, I, I remember my partner, my partner thought that I was crazy. And, and he knows that when I have a project, uh, I love having projects and and getting the results and and I learned with all this process and helped me writing my books that you have to be patient. Yeah. 
when you are younger, you always think that I have to do it right now. You know, everything is today. Tomorrow is a long, long, long way to go there. And then with the surrogacy and writing my books, you need calm, you need pay, be patient, you need to think about uh, the time and process everything and be confident. Yeah, yeah. And when you, I mean, for a six-year process, that is a lot of tomorrows um, that you are being patient through um, for certain. And with all of this, you, you eventually had your daughter. What what was that moment like for you? Oh, you know, I remember because the book, I, I brought the book first in Spanish and I did like a national tour in national television for Hispanics. And I remember the first day I presented the book, it was uh, Emma's birthday, four years oh. old. And it was in the Miami book, uh, fair. And, uh, and, and someone, you know, I think one of the organizers said, you have to read the last chapter, you know, the day I met Emma. Mm-hmm. And when I start reading the first paragraph, I start crying. I couldn't stop, you know, continue reading. And I decided that day that I never, never gonna read again from that book in public mm-hmm. because I cry in national TV. And and I remember that day like today, you know, and and I remember the doctor said the, the, the day before, okay, you're gonna arrive to the hospital at 7 a.m. Mary's gonna be there. Uh, they're gonna throw the water, you know, and around 4 p.m. You're going at 4 p.m. Pacific time. You're going to have your daughter. When he said that, uh, I was, you know, terrified. And it was uh, Mary, you know, the surrogate mother with her mother. I was with Gonzalo. And then at around 3.30, we entered the room. You know, everything got clean and everybody has to have, you know, the dresses and the protection. Everybody was nervous. And then at 4.22, we have our daughter, and I remember crying the whole time. Gonzalo filming with a video camera, and say, and he said, "Armando, you're gonna, <laughs> you know, you're gonna lose this. You have to watch it. You are crying. You have, you know, pay attention." I was crying the whole time, and when the doctor said to me, "You have to cut the umbilical cord," they gave me the. He put all <laughs> his hand in on the the face of Emma because he thought that I was trembling, you know, and crying, and this guy is crazy, and he look, what happened to you, you know? It was really emotional, and and I remember the first thing that I said to her when I got performed is, you know, uh, I'm going to be your dad, and it's going to be a long journey together. You know? yeah. I remember that. And that's, a, and that's beautiful, because as any parent, um, most parents, I'll say, we, we, we feel like our legacy is here, uh, that our greatest accomplishment, our greatest love is there. And I'm not going to make you cry, but I want to read this part with you because it's something, especially from Cuba, where we know, you know, we were not able to, you were not able to have God as first and foremost, but you wrote this growing up with the absence of God, as I did being afraid to believe in God or enter a temple or church is something that I don't want to leave as an inheritance. At least that much is clear to me. What made you feel so strongly about being able to leave God as an inheritance to your, to your children. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're Catholic because my family, you know, my grandparents from both sides of my family 
mother and father, they came from, and they were Catholic. Then after the revolution, religion, it was prohibited. You know, if you go to the church, you can lose your job or booster. And then uh, when we moved to New York, you know, and, and it started the process, I remember talking to the doctor, you know, the embryologist who's going to do the transfer and the embryos. And, and he said to me that uh, he can create with the sperm and the egg the perfect embryo. Mm. Uh, that we can find the perfect one with the division you know, four, eight, or twelve, and he can do the perfect transfer. But that an embryo became a human being is only in, in the hand of God. Mm. I was in panic. I, I cried, you know, after all this process. I am a cry guy. I cry for everything, watching a movie, reading, writing, and. And then I decided to go to shirt, to shirt. I remember going every Thursday in the afternoon, every Monday, I, 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 I did the confirmation, even in my 40s. And in 1999, you know, it's, that happened once every 1,000 years, the doors of the uh, St. Peter Basilic in Rome, they opened the doors and the Pope, uh, you know, they, they have the, this mass dedicated to the children. This is once every 1,000 years. It was a big opportunity. We traveled with the whole family. Everybody was outside doing tourism. My was in midnight, during midnight, fighting with a couple of nuns that they want me to take my, my seat. And, and, you know, I pray. I, that I, I, I dreamed my daughter. And mm-hmm. It was a, a beautiful dream. And... I didn't know it was going to be a girl or a boy, but I know I'm going to be a father. And I fight for five years. And and I never give up. I never, you know, even because, you know, in our business, in the publishing and journalists, we don't make a lot of money. And and Emma, you know, Emma costs at the end $125,000. I have to sell my apartment. And, but I know I, I, I knew from the beginning that uh, it's going to happen and yeah, I'm going to have yeah. my daughter, you know. That's amazing. And since Emma, you have a bigger family. <laughs> Share a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> How many more tears? How <laughs> many yeah, tears yeah. of joy? <laughs> no, when we had Emma, I said, I, I am done. I don't want to, you know, hear more about surrogacy or uh, embryos or doctors. I forget about San Diego, California that we love. And then when Emma was two years old, uh, we were living in Miami, and uh, she said, I want to have a daughter, a, a sister or a brother. And it was every night. And then one day I talked to Gonzalo. I said, we have embryos, frozen embryos. I'm paying storage in a clinic mm-hmm. to keep them. What is the reason? No, no, let's try. Oh, my God, I can't deal again with the lawyers, with the contract. <laughs> what I was, Gonzalo. Okay, it's easier. Let's talk to the surrogate. If the survey is available and she wants to do it with us, we try. If not, forget about it. She called Mary and Mary said, okay, for you, I do whatever you want. Mm. Okay, let's do it. When she said yes, okay, oh, my God. It's, you know, but I, I was very clear. It's, it's going to be only one transfer. You know, I, 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 I was not ready to go to, again through agencies uh, and testing egg donors. You know, I have my embryos. We have Mary, and we were lucky with the first transfer. We got no ones, 
two two kids, <laughs> and I, I for me it was a shock when you know I, I was there with a with the old during the ultrasound with a doctor, and he said I feel like we have a, a strong heartbeat, but when he said but I thought oh my god we have a problem yeah he said no we have a strong heartbeat. <laughs> I couldn't, you know, take pictures, nothing. When I left, I called the family, and then uh, in a couple of days, it's going to be the, the the reveal of the sex because of the blood test, not because of the ultrasound. And then Mary called us that she has the result, and she said, baby A is a girl, and baby B is a boy. You know, it was, it was a dream. And right now, Anna and Lucas, they are, they're going to be 12 in December. Emma is going to be 16 in November. Uh, Emma is in junior high school. and She wants to go to medical school. Wow. And Anna wants to be a veterinarian, you know, and Lucas an engineer. And they're very oriented. They're, they're, they're rich every night. And that's mandatory in our house. And they're great kids with all the issues that we have with teenagers, you know. And, that's and, right. Yeah, That's and right. if you go to my apartment, I I I know we are a non-traditional family for the standards in this country. But if you go to my house, you're gonna see a ton of plastic toys. You're you're gonna see us uh, dealing with all the uh, play day, after school, piano classes. You know, uh, trying to to find the best high school for the twins. Right. It's like a regular family, you know. We're not traditional, but we're a traditional you're, family. You're a family. You're a traditional family. And I know we have short time. I'm going to ask you one last question, please. How do you help your children rise up to their American dream? What would you say is one thing or one word or one phrase that you want to instill for your children? <sighs> for me, the most important thing for them is to be good person or good people. Yeah. Uh, they have to be independent, of course, and we're working on it. They are very, very close family. But uh, the day that I see them go to college and follow their dreams, you know, my life is going to be, you know, complete, yeah. I think. Uh, and we're working on it. Uh, it's a long, long way yet, you know, but I, th- I think we're ready and I love to see them with their dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. My job is make those dreams true. Yeah. Well, wow, this has been such a wonderful time. Thank you so much for your, your time. Congratulations on your book in English, your additional family, and best wishes to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. I found this conversation just heartwarming because... I had the opportunity to have a Zoom conversation and see his face and and to see Armando just light up as he's talking about the experience of holding his daughter, the experience of becoming a father to his three children. The joy and the love is undeniable, unmistakable. And at the end of the day, he succeeded. He gave up a lot. You know, we only look at the positives and, oh, no, everything's fine now. But the journey was heart-wrenching. And I'm so glad that he shared the story because whether we do want to become parents through surrogacy or naturally, there is so much to becoming a parent that's nerve-wracking, exciting, thrilling, and scary all at the same time.
So I advocate for you to read his story and also to to pass on in the rising podcast to people that you feel may benefit from it, right? It is my hope and goal and desire to put in the rising podcast in the hands and ears of those that it will make an impact for. And if you believe this podcast is one of those or this episode, go ahead and share it, leave a review. It does so much to further the value of conversations like this for other people. And until next time, let's keep building one another up.